0: Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, an NFL coach resigns amid a homophobic racist email scandal. Pete Buttigieg clapped back when Tucker Carlson criticized the new dad for spending time with his newborns. I've got new music from OutSinger songwriter and producer Michael Lazar and my review of the acclaimed documentary Through the Windows. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. John Gruden resigned this week as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders after emails spanning a seven-year period revealed homophobic, racist, and misogynistic comments. It's worth noting that Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib, who came out as gay in June, is the only out player in the NFL. In a brief statement on Twitter, Gruden wrote, "'I have resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction.' Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry, I never meant to hurt anyone. Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, issued a statement soon after saying he had accepted the resignation. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't note the irony that in 2014, when Michael Sam was drafted by the St. Louis Rams, the idea of a gay NFL player was discussed as a possible distraction for a team. And here we are today, where a coach using homophobic language is now the distraction. John Gruden's resignation on Monday came just hours after a report by the New York Times detailed several emails where Gruden casually used homophobic and misogynistic language during his time as a lead analyst for ESPN. According to the Times, the emails in question were sent between Gruden and Bruce Allen, then the president of the Washington football team. His remarks included, warning folks, strong language coming, calling NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell a faggot, and a clueless anti-football pussy. He criticized Goodell for allegedly pressuring St. Louis Rams coach Jeff Fisher in 2014 to draft queers, in reference to Michael Sam. Gruden also reportedly used a homophobic slur several times in reference to Goodell as well as team owners, coaches, and members of the media. He suggested that NFL player Eric Reid should have been fired for taking a knee alongside Colin Kaepernick during the National Anthem. He also denounced the emergence of women as referees in the NFL. And he exchanged emails with several men that included photos of women wearing only bikini bottoms, including a photo of NFL cheerleaders. He also mocked Caitlyn Jenner, who received an award from ESPN in 2015 after she had transitioned. Prior to all of that, the Wall Street Journal had reported an email from Gruden in 2011 that included a racist remark in reference to NFL Players Association Executive Director D. Smith. The email, sent as the NFL and its players were trying to resolve a lockout, described Smith as having lips the size of Michelin tires. In response to the Wall Street Journal's report, Gruden told ESPN, quote, I'm ashamed I insulted D. Smith. I never had a racial thought when I used it. I'm embarrassed by what's out there. I certainly never meant for it to sound that bad. End quote. ESPN denounced the remarks in a statement, saying the comments are clearly repugnant under any circumstance. Raiders General Manager Mike Mayock addressed the press on Wednesday regarding the resignation and shared that defensive end Carl Nassib had requested a personal day to process the homophobic email scandal. The request was granted. Mayock added that he and Nassib had been meeting one on one and planned to meet again this week. This next story is one of those cases where Fox News' Tucker Carlson reveals exactly who he is. Thursday night this week, Carlson snidely mocked Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg for taking time at home to be with his husband, Chaston, and their two newborns, Penelope Rose and Joseph August. During that time, Buttigieg had been on call given that there were supply chain issues worsened by the continuing pandemic, but instead, Carlson yucked it up saying Judge was trying to figure out how to breastfeed. No word on how that went, added Carlson. I guess he thought that was funny. By the way, is this the best moment to mention that Fox News offers paternal leave and employees have used it over the past year? Anyway... On Friday, Buttigieg clapped back at the homophobic remarks during an appearance on MSNBC's Deadline White House. Buttigieg told host Nicole Wallace, quote, Well, look, in his case, I guess he just doesn't understand the concept of bottle feeding, let alone the concept of paternity leave. But what's really strange is that, you know, this is from the side of the aisle that used to claim the mantle of being pro-family. And look... This attack is coming from a guy who has yet to explain his apparent approval for the assassination of Harvey Milk, he continued. You may recall that there was previously a controversy when a high school yearbook of Carlson's indicated that he listed himself as part of the Dan White Society. White is the man who assassinated Harvey Milk. Buttigieg added, So obviously, we know that there's some dark places somewhere for these attitudes to come from. But I also note, that doesn't speak for the country. I don't think that even speaks for most of the people on the other side of the aisle from the party that I belong to. Over on The View, Joy Behar also took a moment to shred Carlson for his homophobic attack on Buttigieg's masculinity, saying, quote, I'd like to just say that Pete Buttigieg served six years in the Navy Reserves and was deployed in Afghanistan. Tucker Carlson was booted off dancing with the stars after he couldn't even do the cha-cha. And there you have it. Bravo, Joy Behar. A group of men attacked a UK gay couple this past weekend as the couple left a club, leaving them with serious injuries. According to the local newspaper Echo, the assault occurred in Basildon, Essex. The couple, Dan Wilson and Rob Morris, had gone out for a night and Morris was in drag. They were leaving the nightclub colors when the men jumped them. During the assault, the men yelled homophobic slurs at the couple while kicking, punching, and stomping on them. Yes, this still happens, folks. Wilson told the Echo, quote, It was terrifying. We didn't know if they had any weapons. Rob had been dressed in drag at the time. We knew straight away they were coming straight for us. He added that they were both covered in bruises, and the assailants reportedly cracked his ribs and then stomped on Morris's head. The two were later discharged from the hospital later on Sunday afternoon. Wilson expressed gratitude to a couple who stepped in to help, preventing it from getting worse. And he added, This kind of thing shouldn't be happening. Basildon is meant to be promoting the LGBT community. The couple said that while they called for the police, the authorities never arrived. It wasn't until Monday that investigators made first contact with the couple. This attack is only the latest violence against LGBTQ people in the UK. According to data reported by Vice World News, in the last six years, homophobic hate crimes have increased by 210%. And transphobic hate crimes have increased by 332%. And speaking of anti-gay violence, sometimes justice does arrive. In Dallas... The fourth and final defendant has been sentenced in the case of a group of men who robbed and assaulted gay and bisexual men they met through the dating app Grindr. According to the Department of Justice, Daniel Jenkins, 22 years old, of Dallas, was sentenced to 23 years and four months in federal prison after the case had been prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Texas. In June, Jenkins pleaded guilty in federal court to one hate crime count, one hate crime conspiracy count, kidnapping, carjacking, and one count of using a firearm during a crime of violence. Jenkins' co-conspirators had already pleaded guilty and received prison sentences of between 11 and 22 years. According to prosecutors, over the course of about a week in 2017, the defendants used grinder to lure gay and bi men to vacant apartments in and around Dallas. The defendants then committed crimes, including robbing the men at gunpoint, taking items from their vehicles, forcing them to withdraw cash from ATMs, and taunting them with anti-gay slurs. One victim was smeared with feces and urinated on, and one was sexually assaulted with an object. There were nine victims in total. Chad Meacham, acting U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Texas, said in a statement, quote, This defendant singled out victims based on their perceived sexual orientation, then viciously assaulted them. The Department of Justice will not tolerate these sorts of heinous, hate-based attacks. Unfortunately, despite our best efforts, bigots often lurk online. We urge users of dating apps like Grindr to remain vigilant, End quote. As regular listeners of the Randy Report may recall, there have been several crimes across the country using gay dating apps in recent years. Be careful out there, folks. The Texas House of Representatives has passed a bill barring transgender students in public schools from participating on the sports teams comporting with their gender identity. House Bill 25 passed by a vote of 76 to 54 and now goes to the state Senate where it's expected to pass. It represents a major victory for supporters of the legislation, which had failed to pass the House three times earlier, once in regular session and twice in special sessions. It had passed the Senate easily each time, and that's why we expect it to do so again. Governor Greg Abbott, a far-right Republican, is likely to sign it into law. Supporters of the bill say it only codifies the policy already followed by the University Interscholastic League, UIL which regulates public school sports in Texas. HB 25 says students must compete under the gender listed on their birth certificate at or near the time of birth. However, the UIL accepts legally modified birth certificates, which trans people sometimes obtain, although the process can be difficult. Under the new law, those certificates will not be accepted. State Rep. Valerie Swanson, who authored the bill, argues the law is necessary to protect cisgender girls from supposedly unfair competition from transgender girls. But State Rep. Mary Gonzalez, who chairs the Texas State LGBTQ Caucus, told the press, quote, We actually know this is a non-issue. There is no issue with transgender and intersex students playing sports, end quote. So far in 2021, Seven states have passed laws barring trans students from competing on public school teams under their gender identity, including Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi, Montana, Tennessee, and West Virginia. South Dakota's governor has issued executive orders to the same effect, and Idaho passed a similar law last year. In a statement, Human Rights Campaign Texas State Director Rebecca Marquez said, quote, Texas legislators seem to take pride in passing discriminatory bills without any concern for the impact on Texans and the state's growing negative national reputation. This legislation and the debate around it have already had a negative real-life impact on transgender youth, impacting mental health and perpetuating negative stereotypes and discrimination against them. Transgender young people deserve the opportunity to play sports with their friends like any kid. Texas legislators are putting the second largest LGBTQ population in the country at significant health and safety risk. End quote. What to watch these days? I highly recommend the terrific documentary. Through the Windows, currently streaming on the LGBTQ plus streaming platform, Reverie. Centered on San Francisco's Twin Peaks Tavern, the film tells the story of the first gay bar to open its windows and the men who dared to be seen. Before Twin Peaks Tavern, gay bars either had no windows or they were blacked out, so what happened inside couldn't be seen by the public. As the filmmakers point out, this was a time when there was no language to describe what it meant to be gay, when gay bars were only down back alleys, and when being gay was not only taboo, but illegal. Through interviews with longtime patrons and employees of the historic bar, the documentary reminds us how important these safe spaces were during the early gay rights movement of the 1970s. The story of Twin Peaks Tavern and its longtime patrons brought a smile to my face while it fanned a bit of pride in my soul. Rather than a hardcore history lesson lecturing how difficult gay life was in the 70s, the filmmakers of Through the Windows take an artful but comfortable approach in relating the history of a place that sounds like a queer cheers where everybody knew your name. Sharing what it meant to be that first bar in the US to have open windows and for the patrons to step out of the shadows was an important coming out moment in the history of the LGBTQ movement. You can currently watch Through the Windows for free at Reverie.com. Outrecording artist Michael Lazar celebrates the raw experience of life, even if imperfect giving hope at least a 1% advantage with his debut album, 5149. Consisting of 15 songs written, recorded, and produced by Lazar, the album is a culmination of the artist's 18-year journey through tragedy and loss to self-discovery and finding love. Exploring themes of love, loss, friendship, and self-worth, Lazar's lyrics span the emotional gamut from heartfelt and sincere to sometimes sad and nostalgic, but ultimately his music is intended to encourage others to believe in themselves. 5149 plays like a musical diary, with each song leading to the next, sharing memories and new experiences. Among the many topics I covered in an exclusive interview with Michael for the Randy Report blog, I asked if there was a track that was particularly special to him. He mentioned the song, Few Breaths Away, saying, quote, In a lot of ways, it's the most iconic track on the album because it dives into that bittersweet feeling of getting older and both holding on to the memories of the past and embracing the future. It's a song that celebrates accepting a life that's imperfect, letting go of the things outside of our control, finding love and holding on to it, living 100% in the moment, and just celebrating the gift of being alive. It's an anthem for the album's core message. Let's take a listen to Few Breaths Away by Michael Lazar. You can read my full exclusive interview with Michael and listen to the entire album at therandyreport.com. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the Internet at TheRandyReport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care of yourselves and I'll see you next time.